You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. Hey, I'll talk about Rooted a little bit later, but right now, let me say good morning and welcome. I want to say welcome to all of you in this room. I want to say welcome to those that are watching online. Maybe you're tuning in at a later time, listening to our podcast or something like that. Thanks for joining the conversation. But let me really quick just say thank you for all of you that have joined us here recently. We have so many new guests that have come in the last three weeks, and we are thrilled that you're here. And here's something I want you to know. We get that when you walk through those doors today, that you come with your story. And with that story, it might, it might be a little bit messy. In other words, you're going to come with your own hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And I want to let you know that regardless, listen to me, regardless of how your story reads, you're welcome here. And we want this to be a place that you can call home. We've worked really hard to create a culture here at Trace where you can stop pretending because that's no way to do church and it's no way to do life. And here's, here's the secret, ready? Jesus did church that way. Jesus did church in a way that people could stop pretending. Jesus did church in a way that was messy. Jesus did church in a way that invited people to expose what was really happening behind the scenes. And so if we tried to do anything different from that, man, it wouldn't be Jesus at all. And so we want this to be a a safe place where you can tell your story. And when the preacher uses his T-shirt to show a message, I mean, that's next level preaching that's happening here. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, let me do this. Let me do this. Uh, Let me pray for us, and then we'll jump into our conversation. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all the people that you have allowed connections to be made and invitations to be extended and that have allowed people to come here today. And God, um, man, I, I can't possibly know like what they're coming in here with. God, I can't possibly know the, the hurts, habits, and hangups that may be following their life, but God, I do pray that you help them to see quickly that this is a place where they can stop pretending. Father, I pray that you help them to see quickly that regardless of what's in their rearview mirror, that you have a purpose for their life. And so God, would you meet us here again? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, guys, today we're continuing in our Relationship Goals series. And we were really intentional on the front end of this series to uh, put it together in such a way that regardless if you're, if you're married, if you're single, if you're young, if you're old or just weird, whatever that looks like, um, we, we hope that there's something that you can take away from each of these messages in this series. But I think we need to be honest that when it comes to relationships, and when it comes to relationships, I'm not sure that we've done a good job at this. Like historically, I'm not sure that many of us could say, you know what, I, I feel like that I've developed within my life, you know, deep, me- meaningful relationships that have lasted. I mean, it's not to say that we don't have friendships because I, I know we all have friendships, but for those of us that probably haven't had deep, meaningful friendships that have lasted, maybe this is an opportunity for us to revisit how we've approached it in the past because maybe the way that we used to do it is not a way that we should continue to do it. And if you're new to all of this, and by all of this, I mean, if you're new to church, if you're new new to conversations around Jesus, I do think that there's something really important that you need to know right out of the gates. And that is that when God created you, he created you to be known and to know others. And you can't miss that. And again, we see this woven throughout the scripture, but even in the very beginning of God's creation, we see this. In the very beginning of creation, as God is creating things, he creates something. You know, he's creating the universe, he's creating the world, and he'll create something, and then he'll look at it, and he'll say, that's good. And then he'll create something else and say, that's good. But then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, we see God change his tone, and he says something that we don't ever see God say again. He says, that's not good. And he notices that after he created man, that man was alone. 
And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he created for him a woman. But let's kind of step out of, outside of that context and just realize that God created us for community. God created you to know and to be known by others. And so if you maybe have that, that feeling where it's like, you know what, I'm not sure I'm good at this. I'm not sure that I've done, historically, done a good job at developing deep, meaningful friendships. I think today is an opportunity for us to reestablish what that looks like moving forward. Hold that thought. I want to do something really quick that I think will be beneficial for the rest of our time together. And I'm going to need some crowd participation to do this. How many of you would say that your relationships took a hit, or at least a relationship took a hit in 2020? Just raise your hand and keep them up really high. I know some of you don't like raising hands in church. Get your, get your hand up if that's true for you. And look around really quick. Look around, because this is an important illustration. All right, you can put your hands down. And the reason that's important is because where there is shared pain, there's shared empathy. And where there is shared empathy, I believe there can be a shared energy and motivation to move towards something better together. But I think we have to realize that maybe where we want to be, like maybe where we want to get to when it comes to our relationships, is not where we've been. And maybe we've set the bar too low in the past. And so if we're going to take this opportunity to reestablish what deep, meaningful relationships look like for each of us, maybe we should set the bar a little bit higher. Because all of us have been, I mean, all of us have been guilty, I think. All of us have been guilty for just settling for surface relationships. And maybe we've done that because it's safer, isn't it? One of the things that I've observed in my own personal life and in the lives of others if you want a clear path to loneliness, then settle for service relationships. But it's not the Jesus way. And I get that it's going to take some risk on your part. I get that it's going to take us maybe looking at how we do this a little bit differently. And so today what I want to do is I want to show you three principles that I believe that if we're going to take this moment in time and use it as a pivotal moment and to reestablish what relationships look like for us moving forward, I think it'll come down to these three things right here. I think deep, meaningful relationships are relationships where you can share your problems. And so when I say shared problems, it doesn't mean the same problem, but a place where we can share our problems with safe people. It's not going to be everyone, but it should be someone. A place where we, can shared, we have shared purpose together. And if you want to take it a notch higher, man, if you can find shared passion alongside of that, I promise you that's going to land you in some of the deepest, most meaningful relationships that you will ever have. And so my hope is in our time today uh, that I can show you what this looks like in a very practical way. So let's begin with this idea of shared problems. In Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says something. We've said this a lot. We've used this verse a lot here at this church from, from a cultural distinctive standpoint because this is what we want happening all the time. But it's really important that I think we see this, especially for the context of our conversation today. But when the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, he said this. He said, "...share each other's burdens." In the NIV translation, it says, carry one another's burdens. And guys, I think I need to stop there and specifically talk to the dudes. Because in general, like generally speaking, guys, I don't think that we're very good at this. I don't think we're very good at this. Which is why I'm actually really excited that we've started a men's ministry here at Trace. And just a heads up, we're going to start a men's Bible study uh, the week after Easter and our when statement, our why statement for our men's ministry is that we want to equip you men. We want to equip you to stay in the fight 
and win the battles that matter the most. But that will never happen if we're not exposing what's really happening behind the scenes in our lives. And I believe it's incredibly important for men to have other men around a table where you can share some potentially shared struggles, some similar sins that we need to get out because until we get them out, it's going to be next to impossible to actually find the healing that God wants for our lives. We'll get there here in a minute. But the Apostle Paul says, share each other's burdens, and in this way you obey the law of Christ. Now allow the depth of that statement to settle in, because that is a strong statement. It's through the sharing or the caring of one another's burdens that we fulfill or obey the law of Christ. And I love this. you gotta, got to love the Apostle Paul. He doesn't mince words here. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Got to love that. And I think we see two principles that are actually being played out here. The first principle up here we would have to say is it's vulnerability, right? To share one another's burdens, to carry one another's burdens. You can't do that unless you're actually going to be vulnerable. And then the second principle that I think we see is availability, right? Because you can't, I mean, if you think you're too important to make yourself available for somebody else and the struggle that they're going through personally, then you're never going to be able to fulfill the law of Christ that way. So I think we could put it in this simple, <clears throat> this simple equation. Sharing a burden equals vulnerability and availability. It requires both presence and proximity. It takes one person being vulnerable and another person being available. And I think you get this, guys. You can't be present if you aren't available, and you cannot be available without being vulnerable, which means... There's no digital formula for this. All of us just came out of a season where we were living digitally overloaded lives. And even COVID aside, a lot of us were already there, but I think COVID just intensified that. Where we were living digitally overloaded lives while feeling disconnected relationally. And I believe if we'll pause for a moment, and we'll look at 2020 a little bit different, I think we'll actually see that 2020 gave us a gift. 2020 gave us a gift. I mean, I think we're a couple months removed now, and I know COVID is still kind of in front of us, but maybe you remember a sermon I preached a couple weeks ago. I don't even remember, maybe a couple months ago. And I talked about how in the future, we're going to have the benefit of hindsight, hindsight being emotionally removed enough from this tense situation in life season that we went through. And we're going to be able to see some things differently because we're far enough removed from it. But I think we're already there to some extent, because I think if we'll take the opportunity to look at 2020 a little bit differently, I think we'll see that it gave us a gift. It gave us the gift of presence. It showed us that in the absence of relational connection, we started to see and be highlighted within our mind that presence is so important. The presence that we have within with each other relationally, the fact that we're actually there, that we're available, that we're in proximity. I think 2020 showed us how much we actually need that. And it was in the absence of relational connection that I think God highlighted the importance of presence and how important it is that there's actually power in the presence that we have with one another. Maybe for you it was because you had to work from home. Maybe you had to work from home for an extended period of time. Maybe you were quarantined several different times potentially. I know my kids were. Maybe you had to do school online. Maybe you decided not to come to church for a while because it was just too risky. We get it. Maybe, maybe for you, it was you decided, you know what, I'm not going to go home for Christmas this year because I don't want to potentially expose one of my older family members to, to COVID, potentially. 
Whatever the scenario is, I think God can use all of that, this, this absence of connection, this absence of relational connection to show us how important presence is, something that we will never be able to have digitally. And I'm so concerned about this younger generation. And not to say that it's even just the younger generation, it's, it's even the older generations a little bit. Like, I'm Gen X, the best generation out there, right? Let me get an amen. And so, um, but it, we're, I think we're all a little bit guilty of this where we allow these these pseudo-relationships to substitute for what God says, no, 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 I designed you to be vulnerable and available. I designed relationships to be present in proximity. And so if we think that we're filling a gap by allowing these digital connections and texting people back and forth and social media connections to fill this, this gap that's in our lives of being actually present within the proximity of others, we're foolish. Because God created you to know and to be known by others. I want to show you something that John Mark Comer said in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He said, an overbusy, digitally distracted life of speed is the greatest threat to spiritual life that we face in this modern world. And I would have to agree. And if we wonder why so many of our friendships fail or why so many of our friendships never get below the surface, I would point back to a lot of what I've already said. The fact that we're not making ourselves available. The fact that we're not allowing ourselves to be vulnerable with at least one person. I'm not saying you should do this with everyone, but you need to do it with someone. And I get it. Listen, some of you would say, I've tried. Like I put myself out there before in the past. And I extended myself, I opened up the curtains a little bit and allowed people to go a layer deeper and to see what was really happening in my life. And whoever that was on the other side of the table in that conversation, they betrayed your trust. And you're like, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth it again. And listen, if that happens to be you today, I get it. Like, really, I get it. Emily and I were just talking the other day about how uh, we've had some pretty crappy friends in our lives. One of them's right there. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. Not, not true. He's actually over. No, I don't know. And so we, we've become a little bit more guarded. And we know that we got to be a little bit more careful on who we allow into the inner spaces of our lives. And so we, we kind of go through an interview process now. It's almost like question number one, are you a jerk? Question number two, do you like cats? If you say yes to either one of those, you're out. No, I'm kidding. But listen, I get it. I, I get that there's going to be some obstacles to this. And if you want, listen, if you want, you can choose to go down the path of just allowing kind of what I call a facade of friendships. Where it's like, it looks like you're connected. It looks like you got people around your life. But you're not, anybody, you're not allowing anybody to go a layer deeper with you. And if you want a clear path to loneliness, friends, that's the path you can take. But let me be clear. It's not the Jesus way. And as hard as it may be, even as hard as it's been for Emily and I to kind of open ourselves up again because of where we've been burned, we're committed to the way of Jesus. And so we continue to put ourselves out there and open ourselves up and pray. I, think, I also think we would be foolish if we didn't pray, God, would you send me at least one friend that I can go a layer deeper with? God, would you send me at least one friend that I can expose what's really happening in my life? And if we never get there, I want to be clear about this. You are limiting the amount of healing that can come into your life. James makes it clear. 
the brother of Jesus said, hey, make this a common practice to confess your sins to each other and you pray for each other so that you, li- you can live together whole and healed. You see right here, James is telling us that it's by exposing, it's through exposing our hurts, habits, and hangups that we find healing. And if you've been coming to Trace for a while, you know we say this statement all the time, you cannot hide you can't hide and heal at the same time. And so many, so many of us want healing for the wounds in our life, or maybe it's the destruction that we've caused to ourselves because of the sin that we've embraced at times throughout our lives. And we want the healing, but we haven't committed to the process. And the process to bring healing into our lives comes on the other end of exposing and being vulnerable because you cannot hide, you cannot heal at the same time. And this is where I'm going to, unashamedly make a plug for Rooted. If you want a process to go deeper, faster, and I'm not saying this because it's a program and it's not even a program. We don't call it a program we offer. We call it an experience. But one of the best ways that I've seen relationships go deeper, faster, is through our Rooted experience. It's a 10-week experience and it starts this coming week. And I would say it this strongly. If you haven't gone through Rooted yet, that has to be your next step in your faith journey. I promise you, you're going to experience something that will be incredibly life-giving. And it's been our prayer and and our hope that it would also cultivate the kind of relationships that I'm talking about right now. And so if you have more questions about that or you're curious about that, we're going to have our Rooted team out in the lobby when we're done today. Feel free to go out there. You can ask them questions. But man, again, I can't say it strongly enough. If you haven't taken Rooted, make that your next step in your faith journey. But I'm going to keep moving. The next thing that I think that leads to deep, meaningful relationships, life-giving relationships, is this idea of a shared purpose. And here's how I want to begin this part. If you've been coming here for a while, you've likely heard me use this statement. It's a strong statement, but I believe it to be incredibly true. I think it's impossible to live the right life if you have the wrong friends. I think it's impossible to live the right life if you have the wrong friends. For those of you that are parents, I'd write that down and I'd go get it tattooed on one of your kids because they're going to need to hear that over and over and over and over again. And some of you parents, like right now, you're seeing that play out before your very eyes. You're, you're watching your kids get caught up in some friendships that are leading them further away from Jesus. And it's not to say that they shouldn't have friends of people who don't believe in God, but when those friends are more influential on them than they are on them, then it starts to become a negative situation. This is why I emphasize as early as possible that your deepest, most meaningful friendships are going to be the ones that are anchored in Jesus. But I want to be careful here that we don't just get caught up in spiritual rhetoric, right? Because that's, of course, that's what, of course, that's what I'm going to say. That's the spiritual answer. That's the Jesus answer. It's the Sunday school answer. Make sure all your friends are rooted in Jesus. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. And the beautiful thing is, and what I'm about to show you, is that Jesus gives us the clearest picture that he possibly could on what it looks like to have purpose in him and how that is directly related to our personal relationships. And so what I'm going to do, and I bet you've never seen this done before, and I was so thankful, and when God kind of gave this, it was like an epiphany for me. I'm like, man, that is incredibly clear, and I've missed it. But I'm going to show you the path of being rooted in Jesus and how that is directly related to our personal relationships. And so the way that I'm going to do this is I'm actually going to be in John's gospel and I'm going to go in reverse. I'm going to start in John chapter 15 
And we're going to end in John chapter 13, but please pay attention. And you might want to write down these passages because you'll want to revisit them later. But here's here's where we're going to begin. John 15, beginning in verse 4. Jesus said, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Let's do it again. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. And so for those of you in here that maybe are a little bit younger, maybe you're college, high school, middle school potentially, um, I think your age group are the ones that typically, again, I don't want to overgeneralize too much here, but you are the ones that would typically argue with me that it's like, no, 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 I can have, like my best friends don't believe in God, but we have deep, meaningful friendships. And I would say, if apart from Jesus, you can do nothing, I can almost guarantee you that's never going to be your most meaningful friendship. And if you think it is, I would just encourage you or maybe challenge you, you haven't experienced yet what a deep, meaningful friendship is. Because apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And it's like, okay, clarity so far. This idea, okay, Jesus, we're connected to you. We're supposed to remain in you. How do we do that? Jesus continues, verse 10. If you keep my commands, now our mind immediately goes to the Ten Commandments, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. So make sure that you don't tie those two together. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. Now we're talking about the Ten Commandments. Jesus kept all ten of the commandments perfectly. He's the only one who lived a perfect life. Just as I I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Can I ask you a question today? Does anybody want some joy? Like, I don't even care if it's complete. I'll just take some joy in my life right now. And so if, you, if you're with me and you've gone through a season where it's like, man, I'd love to be filled with a little bit more joy right now. I need you to hang on, pay attention, because Jesus is going to make it crystal clear. But you got to stay with me. Joy may be complete. My command is this. Here it is, right? My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. So we're halfway there. Jesus said, remain in me. How do we remain in you, Jesus? By keeping my command. What is your command? To love each other as I have loved you. Now, we don't necessarily know what the answer to that is yet, because how did he love them? What is Jesus, like Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, love each other the way that I loved you. What is, what is that? Now, his disciples, when they heard this, they would have remembered that two, two chapters before, that Jesus actually had already said the same thing. And so if we jumped over to chapter 13, this is what his disciples would have remembered in that moment. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So now Jesus is saying, hey, love each other. That's how you stay connected to the vine. Love each other as I have loved you, which means now I'm pointing to something specifically that I showed you how to love one another. What's he pointing to? Earlier in chapter 13, Jesus and his disciples, his fellows, they come into a house. And they're about to celebrate what's called the Passover feast. 
And when they get there, they sit down. Now, something didn't happen when they sat down that was supposed to happen. Now, you won't read this in the text. You've got to dig a little bit more for culturally, uh, cultural context. But something didn't happen, and Jesus is looking around because he knows, hey, before we celebrate this Passover feast, we should have had our feet washed. It was customary that when you entered into a home, before you celebrated with some type of meal or feast, that there would have been a servant of some sort that would have washed your feet. And so you can imagine, just stay with me here, you can imagine Jesus is is sitting at the table, and I bet he's looking around wondering, is anybody going to do it? Is anybody going to humble themselves to actually get up and, and wash, wash the feet of everyone else? And they don't. And so Jesus, their Lord, their leader, the Messiah, he gets up, he takes off his outer garment, gets a basin of water, kneels down, and starts washing their feet. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Now, I want you to be careful here because you can get caught up in the Christian cliche. Like, if you've been around the church for a while, it's like, yeah, 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 we wash. Yeah, you're supposed to wash the people's feet like Jesus did. It's not about the specific act here. Like, let me be clear. This is not about the specific act of washing someone's feet. It's about the humble service. It's about serving one another in humility. And so don't get caught up in the act. Make sure that you see the principle. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things... You'll be blessed if you do them. Guys, do not miss the path. Like Jesus just synced these things up as clearly as I've ever seen him sync something up. He started with, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Hey, remain in me. Remain in me and I will remain in you. God, how do we do that? Make sure you obey my command. What command are you talking about? To love one another. How do we love one another, Lord? You serve each other through humility. The way that we stay connected to Jesus is to relationally serve one another with humility. Friends, when these two things come together, I promise you, not because I said so, but because Jesus did, I promise you, then you will find the deepest, most meaningful, most life-giving friendships that you have ever had. Remain in me by selflessly serving one another. Trace, this is not only a recipe for great life-giving friendships. This is a recipe for a Christ-centered, kingdom-centered church. And if we would all just commit to this way, if we would all just commit to this one principle, not only would we develop deeper, more meaningful relationships for ourselves, but we would create a culture here that would cultivate life change, I promise you. So today what we want to do is we want to give you an opportunity to start making this a reality. We want to give you an opportunity to start serving people selflessly. So today out in our lobby, we've got every single ministry that we offer here at Trace available to talk to you about what it would look like to serve in that particular area. And listen to me, 
Guys, this is not about like obligation. This is not about like you filling a gap for the church because we need you to serve. We intentionally don't even use the word volunteer anymore because it's not about volunteering. Volunteering sounds so temporary. This is about your purpose. This is about what God created you to do. In a church that's not serving together, let me say it this strongly on purpose, is a church that's not following Jesus. How much more clear could he make it? If you want to remain in me, then obey my command. And my command is that you love one another. And the way that you love one another is the example that I showed you. And the example that I showed you is to serve each other relationally in humility. Friends, if we will bring these two together as a church, I promise you we're going to cultivate more life change than you have ever seen happen within a church context. I don't want you to do this out of obligation. But, I, but what if we actually came together and we did it with a shared passion? Now, before I get too crazy, I want to meet many of you where you're at right now. Because I was also there a couple months ago. Say with me. Maybe somewhere along the way in the COVID season, you lost some of your spiritual intimacy with God. Let's get real. You lost some of your spiritual intimacy with God, and the reason you know that you lost it is because you once had it. I mean, you've had those moments where you felt like God was speaking directly to you as you read his word, or you felt the Spirit's promptings and guidance and presence as you prayed for guidance. Or maybe that Sunday where you came to church and it's like, man, that sermon was made just for me. I think Aaron's been reading my diary. And because you had those moments, with each of those moments, it was almost like a reinvigorating of God's purposes for your life. And it kept you moving in his direction, but somewhere along the way, and it might have happened during this COVID season, because it probably happened to a lot of us, that it started to fade. And it's not that you lost your faith, but you did lose some of your spiritual passion. Me too. As your pastor, I'll be transparent. A couple months ago, maybe it was three months ago, I definitely lost, figured out that I had lost some of my spiritual passion. Started inviting more people to pray for me, and I was trying to be as vulnerable as I could. I'm an eight on the Instagram. It's not always easy for me to be vulnerable. But inviting my team to pray over me. And I feel like God has reinvigorated something inside of me but I don't think I could have done that alone. So here's my invitation to you today. If you've lost some of that spiritual intimacy, if you've lost some of that spiritual passion, let's get it back together. Let's grab on to this definition, to this clear example that Jesus set for us on how we develop deeper, more meaningful relationships. That we would go after something together. Listen, you know this. We cannot slow down right now. You see it all around you. I don't even need to define it. You see what's happening all around you. As a church, we cannot slow down right now. And it's only when the world around us meets Jesus that we'll see the change that we all want to see. Can I get an amen? That's why we need to work together to remove every obstacle so that we can get people to Jesus. Trace, all God has given us is a little bit of time with a little bit of opportunity. And within that little bit of time and that little bit of opportunity, if we're not using that to serve his church and his purposes, we have missed our little bit of time and our little bit of opportunity. Church was never meant to be a spectator sport. It was always meant to be a team sport. Church should be a place, and I want this to be a place, where we share problems, where we share purpose, and we share common passion. Out of all the things 
Think about it. Out of all the things that we get passionate about, shouldn't the person that we came here today to worship the same man who went to a grave but wouldn't allow death to keep him down because his love for you was too great? Shouldn't that get the best out of us? Shouldn't that cause us to say, listen, 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 I don't want to go at this alone, but together, man, we can do something great. If I were to get in front of you and said, hey, go do something great, there's pressure. But if I said, hey, let's do something great, there's purpose. Trace, if we will commit to the plan and the path that Jesus clearly laid out for us, this place will become a breeding ground for changed lives. But we can't do it without you. The best three action steps that I could give you today would be this. I want you to get in a group. Because even if you've been burned before in the past, I promise you that the group context, the small group context that we have here at Trace is one of the best ways for you to go deeper, faster. And again, if you haven't started with Rooted, that's where you start. But maybe you've already gone through Rooted and you got disconnected from your group through COVID. We want to do our best to also reconnect you with another group, a place where you can stop pretending, a place that you can start talking about what's really happening in your life. We want you to grow on a team. And we say that in a specific way on purpose because... If staying connected to Jesus is relationally serving others in humility, then if you get on a serving team here at Trace, it's not about you filling a gap. It's about you filling a purpose. And it's our hope that it's through this that you'll develop some of your deepest, most meaningful relationships. And the last thing I would tell you is this. Go and tell. I don't want to say this too strongly, but I think this is a pretty special place. I think what we've created here and the culture we've created here is something that people desperately need in their lives. And so I just want to encourage you, don't be selfish with it. If you feel like God is using this place to bless you, man, go and tell them what God's doing in your life. Go tell somebody else and invite them to come and be a part of this. I believe the people outside those doors and in our cities and in our neighborhoods desperately need not just to hear about the love of Jesus, they need to see it. And so I want to encourage you to extend invitations and Encourage people to come and be a part of this, not because I'm anything special, but together, I think we can do something special. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to invite my wife up, and we're going to conclude in a specific way, but let me go ahead and pray for us really quick. Father, I pray that however you desire right now, that you would move in the hearts of many that you would help them to see that, God, you have called them to a greater purpose, and a huge part of that purpose is selflessly serving one another. I can't think of a better context than your church to do that. So, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move powerfully in this room and that you would convict, that you would prompt people to go out and start some conversations with people out in the lobby to, to see where it potentially could be. Where could they fill a purpose? Not a gap, but to fill a purpose. So, God, would you lead in a powerful way right now? pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.